Wow. Okay. So I want to say thank you guys, Spark. Um, I think that it's personally incredibly amazing if you think about where we were a year ago today. If you think about it, a year ago today, we were really, really settled into the fact that it was not the same. We were, we were at home watching at this time, probably watching the service, kind of wishing we were back here in this place. And now it is our third service back. It may not be like it was before, but we are in a better place than we were. Uh, like we were in a better place than we were a year ago. And I think that that's a, a great opportunity for us for, to reflect and think and thank God for that. Because for some of us, it's been a rough well, I think for all of us, it's, it's been a rough pandemic. It's not like you woke up and were like, hey, want to do a pandemic for the next almost over a year and a half? And people are going to go through all sorts of things, all sorts of uncertainty and different types of transitions. And we don't know what's going on. You have to think about it. Our life changed probably differently. I mean, I, talk about, I talked about this uh, like a little bit over a year ago. Look, my wife and I, we were, on, uh, we were in North Dakota, of all places, when the pandemic struck. And if you've ever been in North Dakota, there's only two major airports there. And we were in the middle of both of them. So we had to drive one way to see if we can get out just to drive back another hour and a half to figure out, oh, they they weren't going to let us out. So we're like, man, are we going to have to drive God knows how far home? And bless God, we, we got here and then we got back and it was a different place than when we left. And here's how we knew it was quite different. I'd worked at a school and they said, don't come to work. And then I was walking around uh, uh, my neighborhood and there's a strange and it was like at a random time, I'd be like 10 to 12 o'clock. And it hit me that there were no children in the distance. That if you walk through a normal neighborhood during the middle of the day, somewhere between 10 and 12, because that's kind of when recesses occur, you hear the distance of little children screaming and playing. And now that I work back on a campus again, probably yelling, obscene things to each other and hurting and just, oh my gosh, he hurt me. And you know, like the kids are back. Oh boy, are they back. And many of you parents are probably extremely happy about that. You know, I mean, I'm not saying you're happy about it, but you like, your kids are out of the house, you know, and uh, that's just kind of how it is. And so I'm incredibly thankful and that we also get to partner with those who are on Zoom um, that we are here today. Would you guys be willing to engage with me in a congregational activity? All right, cool. All right, would you be willing to join me in the tradition of reading Scripture out loud as a congregation with me this evening? Uh, what will happen is, is I will read the first uh, two verses, but then my voice will fade away as you guys continue to read as a congregation. When we conclude the reading, you may be seated. All right, all right. So let's stand and let's start with the uh, set of practice verses because we're going to do this throughout the uh, sermon. All right, all right. In the beginning was the one there and the word was God and the word was with them. the word became flesh all right last um oh you guys all may be seated all right so let me be honest with you for a moment because I'm going to be honest with you. Originally, when I was asked about doing this message, I quite jumped at the opportunity, at the chance to pe- teach publicly live again. 
I knew the series we were doing and felt comfortable with all the uh, subjects in reading the teaching team schedule. Really fast, I miscalculated and misread. Heck, I just wasn't paying attention to the date. And then earlier this week, I realized that we were covering the topic of Scripture, which would be fine in any other normal circumstance. I feel like I might be just like any of the other average kind of like ex-evangelical slash um, working it out, deconstructing type where we're at with Jesus persons. You know, at times I feel pretty confident. Then it hit me. I, I attend Spark Church and that these two people are my spiritual leaders. And the thing about it is, is it really wouldn't be all that bad, but like spiritually speaking, especially when it comes to the Bible, they're like these two people to me. (laughs) LeBron James and Serena Williams, arguably two of the greatest athletes across, you know, whatever it is, you know, you're just like, wow, like, yeah, I gotta, gotta speak at their church, you know, and, and how do you back up LeBron James? Like who plays second fiddle to Serena Williams? But then I started looking at our whole teaching team. We got this guy here, right? You know, he's in the back there, Pastor Omer. And, you know, which is great. You know, and, and if you've heard him preach before, you're like, oh, my goodness. Like, wow. And you, you, you're like, but man, you know, you, you don't put that THD to work. And, you know, you're like, wow, man. Like, how in the world do you, like, follow that? And he's, he's like this guy. <laughs> you know, just dropping the bombs everywhere. And I know that, like, Omer is actually quite humble, but I'd be feeling like sometimes he just does the little, you know how disrespectful Steph Curry is for all you worried for? He just hit a shot, walk away, doing like this and everything, know what's going to go in. I feel like that sometimes with Pastor Omer. He just knows, all right, this message is going to land no matter what. I don't care, you know, but I, got, I understand it. I get it. Then we got like these two guys here. And we saw Pastor Mark and Pastor Tom, they run around doing everywhere. And for those of you who are familiar with athletics, they kind of remind me of these two guys, um, Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala. And for a five-year stretch, it was, it was clear that the Golden State Warriors were the most dominant team in the league. And I honestly believe that, yeah, we knew about Steph, Kevin Durant, and Michael, uh, I mean, Clay Thompson. Sorry, his dad played for the uh, Lakers, uh, Clay Thompson's dad. Uh, but I really honestly feel that you don't get as far as they got without Andre Iguodala kind of running around and doing a little bit of everything, guarding LeBron James in the finals, and and Draymond Green, who kind of carried the heartbeat of the team, this kind of utility person who would make a shot when he needed to make it, who did rebounds, and and, and just, you know, you see kind of where he does everything. Then, then all of a sudden, we had Sidney. And, and, you know, I just felt like it was unfair because, like— you know, she's quote-unquote new, just a brand-new Christian and everything. And they were like, hey, here, here goes the pulpit. And she kind of reminded me of this person here, LaMelo Ball. Now, LaMelo Ball is a part of the Ball Brothers, but he was last year's NBA Rookie of the Year. Now, this man was a phenomenal athlete. You know, while in high, he took an unconventional route to the NBA, little controversy surrounding his father. But you knew he was good because his dad pulled him out of high school as a freshman. He goes to Europe and plays with all the professional players and holds his own. And so you're thinking it's like that. But she more like reminds me of these two. Now, now who you guys are asking yourself, who are these people right here? And this is Saori Yoshida and Kairo Ichi. Now, Ichio. Now, these are two arguably hands down greatest. That's why I said arguably the greatest athletes ever. You've probably never heard of them. Kairo Ichi was undefeated from 2003 to 2016 when women's wrestling was uh, first developed. 
Kairo Ichiro, these women have a combined seven Olympic gold freestyle wrestling medals in between them. At one point, these women won every major freestyle wrestling competition for over a decade. Ichiro went undefeated for 13 years straight, which means she never lost. 13 years, you just never lose. And from 2003 uh, to 2016, Yoshida won every major wrestling competition as well. Ichiro, she's so cold. She was the first wrestler across all of the... uh, um, of all the Olympic-style events to win four gold medals of uh, any man or woman. And if you know the combat sports, they prepare, tear on your body. But she was able to do that for over 16 years. Yoshida, she would have been the first woman to do it, but she was upset by an American wrestler, Helen Marulis. And to, uh, to, to this day, uh, it's like known as one of the biggest upsets in modern Olympic history. And I feel like, well, this guy right here, there was a segment... Compared to our team, like you don't even know who this guy is. He just says who he played for. And I really do feel like that. And I know, I know that I'm not supposed to like compare myself to others. I know that it's a bad thing that we've kind of picked up within our American evangelicalism. And then it gets exasperated by social media. You know, that person who posts scripture every morning or you look at their timeline. Oh, just me and Jesus and, you know, and all the other stuff. But this team makes me feel like that. And I don't care. (laughs) I just feel like that. Just because we're talking about scripture in a very highly educated and a very, you know, just, just a really beastie church. And so it, it becomes really intimidating. I really wish we had done prayer. I should have paid attention. My fault. My bad. But then, so what I want to do is, as we talk about scripture, I know I'm not supposed to get married, but for many of us who've been attending church long enough in the past, we've had feelings of embarrassment for not reading the Bible enough, not having daily devotion times that include daily Bible reading, are going through those busy seasons where your only exposure to scripture is on Sunday. Then there's the other side of the coin. This is where you like, you've read and studied aspects of the Bible. You read all sorts of different commentaries causing one to feel kind of a moral superiority or an intellectual superiority to those who may not understand or have the time to read like you. And you take the time as a, an individual community. If you're a lightweight Bible geek, then when you hear a message misquoting scripture or weaponizing a scripture to justify some mean behavior, it's like listening to the sound of uh, nails across some type of chalkboard and it just irks you. But when I'm honest with myself, it's a battle of pride and puffed up knowledge. Many of those questions can arise on the inner conflict and it kind of makes me think of this particular movie, a movie called um, The Book of Eli where the character, which is a really cool post-apocalyptic movie, although like many things since the past, there are all sorts of internet commentaries about why it's the greatest thing of biblical scripture and then on the other end, why it got everything totally wrong. But I really love this particular part in the movie where it says, uh, uh, it's about the, uh, the basic premise of the movie. It's about a post-apocalyptic world where there's one copy of the Bible left and one person is trying to get it to where it can be uh, saved and stored. And so a character named Solara goes, I didn't think you'd ever give up the book to the, char- uh, to the main character, Eli. I thought it was important to you. And Eli goes, it was. I was carrying it and reading it every day. I got so caught up in protecting it, I forgot to live by what I learned from it. 
When which Solara replied, and what's that? To do more for yourself than for others. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, my bad. Okay. Uh, to do more for others than do for yourself. All right. Thank you guys very much. See, all right. See, look at our, <laughs> look at our church right there. All right. All right. So what we're going to do is uh, this series is called The Presence of God. And we started the series uh, with Pastor Serena Williams. I mean, Pastor Danielle. And reminding us of the importance of prayer and reintroducing us to practices and that keep us connected to God um, in our community. And like last week, Kevin and Junior reminded us that worship is totally a totality of your life, how it's lived unto your God. That is worship is how it's forced us to look within. All right. So let us stand right now and we're going to read another set of scripture. We'll incorporate the same practices before where I will start the verse and as a congregation, we'll read out loud. Okay. All right. Sorry about that. Forgot that. Okay. Ooh. Whoa. Whoa. All right. Oh, how I love your law. I meditated all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser. You guys may be seated. Thank you for participating. It's agreed upon by many biblical scholars who just that we just don't know who wrote Psalm 119. Part of this is because it doesn't have a specific title. However, it's important to note that this beautiful piece of prose and poetry is written along the Hebrew alphabet and holds the central theme of the law. And what we call Torah holds a central uh, central theme and importance to the writer's life. There are themes of grief, slander, enduring all the while acknowledging that God's presence is in the writer's, uh, is in the writer's life and is preserved through the under, his understanding of scripture. Like one thing that we can easily forget in our Western modern world is that mass literacy, as far as human existence is concerned, is a relatively new phenomenon. The ability to read was only once reserved for maybe high ranking government or really, really wealthy people and really, really uh, uh, a lot of, uh, sorry, and uh, religious uh, officials. To further the point, I actually find myself taking it for granted that me as a black person in America has the ability to read. Because at one point in America's complicated history, as a descendant of the slaves, uh, as a descendant of slaves, states had on the uh, states like Alabama, Virginia, Georgia and Missouri had laws that prevented white educated from teaching slaves how to read. And these laws were punishable by fines and uh, severe public flog flogging. 
Now, one of the ironies of the, the origins of these laws is, well, there was a reason for it, not really an uh, irony. But it actually came because, well, when they were exposing slaves to scriptures, in 1831, a few began to become literate. And as they began to read on their own, they really connected with the Exodus story. And as they connected with the Exodus story and several other themes of freedom within the Bible, they began to apply it to themselves. And a leader named Nat Turner, and I forget about the book that was published two years before, that advocated for slaves to kind of rise up because it was their divine rights as image bearers of God to fight for their freedom. Now, this scared deeply a structure that was based on the subjugation of people. And so their reaction to the rebellions, their reaction to people learning how to read the Bible was to pass laws to make it illegal for the slaves to read. It's not that they didn't want the slaves to kind of have scripture. They just didn't want them to know what was fully in there. These men, uh, some of the slave uh, master, I mean, sorry, some of the slave revolters deeply understood that the themes of freedom from reading Exodus story and a God who delivers people saw a hypocrisy between the his, a system that would deny their uh, deny their humanity as fellow images of God. Yet I've always been amazed at how God has really brought many of us who are descendants of slaves along to places where we are. And 160 plus years ago, again, it was illegal for a person who was a, who was a slave or a descendant of a slave to read. And now you see uniquely how the descendants of slaves through various forms, including literacy, uh, influence American culture to this day. Going back to my main point, we can often forget that the lack of literacy throughout human history and scripture uh, means that scripture was meant to be read out loud. This beautiful book of prose, poetry, scandal, sex, violence, hypocrisy, and inconsistencies were meant to be read congregationally. We see this in text because, well, we get Paul, who was in prison for uh, a certain part of his life, who wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament, who wrote letters from a prison. And his letters were passed around because they knew that they were seen as Scripture. And these letters were read aloud to the congregation. And that's a practice, I believe, that, you know, some churches do, some churches don't. I, you know, I don't know whether we want to incorporate it here more or not. But as we talk about the idea of presence, of God being practiced in our life, you know, let us incorporate some of those traditions of reading the scripture out loud. Because I could imagine what it was like, you're illiterate, but maybe you were a young Hebrew person born underneath the captivity of Babylon. And this is kind of when we know that like the, the scriptures were starting to kind of be printed and, and, and proclaimed. And here you are underneath some type of, you're born into like a systematic uh, second class citizenry. You were questioning everything about yourself and you hear that it wasn't always like that. You hear that the God of your people had you already kind of set apart and had a unique role in the world. And you knew that your current situation was not going to be the future. 
How much hope must it have been when someone heard that word read aloud in a rhythmic cadence? And it, it, it kind of brought hope to a dark situation at that, that time where someone was able to hear their, uh, someone was able to hear their story. Now, I know that we're in this modern context and some of us are, are um, you know, we're always looking to improve. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we've got to always um, get up at a certain time and, and read. In fact, like I said, I, I wrestle with the tension of feeling guilty about not reading scripture enough, you know, and then the scripture of, I mean, then the tension of like retaining it so much that when I hear the wrong thing, I just, like I said, it irks. I, uh, I, I struggle with this particular tension because I have a unique and please do not try this at home. Like this is not, I am not telling you to do this. The following practice is not a reflection of Spark Church. It is a reflection of Marcus Randolph individually. It does not reflect the views of Spark Church. <laughs> and we need to understand <laughs> that everything said is going to be personal opinion and practice of Marcus Randolph, not of Spark Church as a whole. This message was not approved by... <laughs> By Danielle and Kevin. Y'all don't trip, don't trip. I'm not going to say nothing crazy. I'm not going to cuss or nothing like that. Okay. I look dead at uh, uh, the uh, Zoom. Hi, guys. All right. So I get up at a really, really early hour in the morning. I get up at 4 a.m. All right. I get up at 4 a.m. and I kind of like get walking and going. And one of the first things I do is I try to spend the first 30 minutes with God. Now, this practice includes getting up, going downstairs, getting on my knees, praying for a certain amount of time and having a structured prayer life. And then I read uh, the Bible two chapters a day. And then I like journal. I've been doing this practice for at least the five days of week for a very long time. It probably started shortly after I became a follower of Jesus and just kind of became habitual. I am not suggesting at all by any means that you should get up at 4 a.m. in the morning. Get on your knees and talk to God. It's a good activity. It's pretty cool. But the only reason I'm not suggesting you do that is because you are tired by the end of the week. If you get up at 4 a.m. and then you work at a school with a lot of other people's children, in particular middle school, well, actually, we got a large school. We go from TK through 8. So you get the range of kids. And middle schoolers have this way, God bless them, but they got a way of not being self-aware and Middle schoolers tend to make everything about them and everybody is looking at them and everything they do. And again, it's not that they're bad. It's just the way they are in the stage of development. But when you've been inside for a year and a half and you really do think that everybody thought about what you were thinking about in the pandemic, it can cause for some very interesting conversations. So as a person who works in those type of environments, I just need to let y'all know that you got to get up in the morning and talk to God in particular the reason why I do this practice, and I really do believe, now this is a personal opinion, getting scripture in you early in the morning, it helps set your mind and your tone for the day. That you have God's word on your mind because we necessarily can't control what other people do and how they do it. You know, it just, we can't respond. But knowing that the first person you kind of talked with through God's word was God. And, and you got to experience that. And there's so many ways. And so there's so many practical ways to do that. We have technology. I, I would encourage this if you guys can, if anyone can, 
You don't necessarily have to do, do this, but get up, find a nice peaceful place to walk and find you a couple of these uh, apps and stuff like that. But how do we do this? We're going to read scripture one more time. So let's stand up. Let's try it one more time and keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. All right. You guys may be seated. All right. So there are like so many cool apps out there and podcasts. Uh, I believe that uh, Uncle Charles, sorry, I can't, I shouldn't call him, I guess it's Uncle Charles. (laughs) He is the uncle of the Octar kids and uh, um, Christine's brother. Turned me on to this lap, this really cool app called Streetlights. And this is a really cool app where they uh, read scripture, but they put like little different sound drops behind it. And what you got to try one day is if you can get to nature for a little bit, and we live in a wonderful area. Just walk along the Baylands if you're near them, or, or some of you guys are in the hills like Los Altos or Redwood City Hills, or, or even San Jose along the little creeks like they got going on there. Just one day if you can, you know, or if you're in the East Bay, you know, go up uh, that uh, mountain. Uh, they got a couple of little hiking trails over that, that way. P- put your, put your, uh, one of these apps on your podcast. Just, you know, anything. And just listen to the Bible and just kind of walk. Now, do it in the morning. Do it in the evening. And it's a great way to kind of hear Scripture and get it in you. It's a great meditative practice because as you're kind of hearing God and, and, and just do it, well, if you can do it systematically, do it systematically. But if not, kind of find those your favorite scriptures. But even some of the ones that are tough to deal with. Because as we know, scripture was written for particular people at a particular time. So you might, you know, Ezekiel, uh, I believe they have some, the, the sisters about Judah. It's a little interesting hearing that at four o'clock in the morning walking around. It just is. But what I'm saying is, is that hearing God in those ways and You'll begin to understand and place yourself to what it must have been like hearing these things in these times and these places. There's also this cool kind of audio Bible that was really popular. Gosh, you ever been in the middle of something and realize how old you are? That just happened to me. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So about 2007, 2008, which really wouldn't have been that far ago. We was like, oh, yay, Barack Obama. And now we're like, well, we were like two presidencies removed from him. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Um, there's a great uh, audio Bible called the audio experience, the Bible experience. And what this is, was a, a, a audio Bible read by all these cool actors who were African-American, some well-known. They had a like LL Cool J, Samuel Jackson playing kind of like um, God is, is really interesting because you're like, you know, you know, you just don't want him to say what Samuel Jackson is known for. But it's actually really interesting to hear. You've got LL Cool J being Samson and, and uh, Megan Good being Delilah and, and uh, throughout. So you've got Forrest Whitaker playing Moses. So these are actors, but you begin to hear it and have these little different sound drops. So again, buy the audio file or, you know, download it. Play it in your car as you're coming and going. And then they've got like some of the, you guys were small children during VeggieTales. Again, as you speak and you realize how old you are. <laughs> Many of y'all in the room were like, man, we was playing these when our kids were small. And some of, the, some of you guys who were in your mid-20s, almost 30, were like, I remember watching VeggieTales when I was small. Again, it just hits you. Time keeps on slipping into the future. <laughs> All right. 
But there are veggie tales, playing them for your children, kind of getting those reacquainted. Because if you really think about it, God's word is everywhere. There's so many things for us available within our modern context that we can listen to it all the time. So you don't have to have this super regimented, get up in the morning, study all sorts of commentary and three, you know, like systematic theology all the way through and then start all over again just to like, you know, and start your own YouTube channel and critique every Bible teacher that's out there. No, you, you don't have to do that. We could just like go along and have it move. Because remember that this is God's word and it sets a pace for us and sets our time for the, uh, for the day. I myself am a fan of uh, hip-hop music. I just, I just am. I'm, 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 I'm 41 years old. And again, why is it that every time I say that, and I know I'm not even that old, but I just say it and feel like older. But anyway, but I genuinely love hip-hop. I grew up within its culture. I was a small child in the 1980s when a group that I'm not going to mention by name had a movie out a couple of years ago, and I was actually in their city, so we, I shouldn't have been listening to the music, but I had an older cousin who was letting us listen to songs that's, yeah, I'm not going to even repeat some of those titles, but the movie was cool. If you're into hip-hop culture, you'll understand where this particular group fits within it, but they are from the city of Compton. That's all I'm going to say. Look at the movie. Not for you little kids. Not none of y'all. Please don't be. And if anybody who is of an urban audience is watching this, please stop letting your kids watch movies like straight out of that city that I mentioned or Friday or uh, I just or Ice Cube. I don't know how many 13 year olds. Like, you ever listen to Ice Cube? First and foremost, you should be listening to that. Second of all, why are you listening to Ice Cube? But, you know, <laughs> right, anyway. But if there's any urban people listening to it, you know, pepper it, please. All right. So we're going to try something real quick for the next three or four minutes. And we're going to listen to a song by an artist named Trip Lee. Now, he is an artist on this record. Uh, he's actually a pastor. And uh, he's uh, on this record label called Rich, uh, Reach Records. It's a really kind of popular independent artist um, label. And he's got a lot of albums out, really great music. So if you're into hip-hop music, this is actually one of his older albums from 2016 or 2015. Wait, ooh, wait. Ooh, this is, oh, 2014, actually, 2014. And uh, he has a song called uh, Know Me, and he basically personalized something. So we're going to try it. Hopefully it works. I want to introduce y'all to a friend of mine. A lot of y'all don't know. But maybe you'll understand if it talks to you. Yeah. Good evening, it's me. Yeah, it sounds so strange. May not know me, but I am my household name. Since I came, I ain't never been without no fame. Always grab attention, man, without no strain. Yeah, you heard of it. Maybe I slipped out your brain. Some they really love me, no doubt, no thing. Others think I'm wet like he sounds so lame. Some are somewhere in the middle like when Alto sang. But yo, you may find me fresh off the presses. Dressed in the best leather cast, better wrecking. Nas open Nas up the wreck with a message. Incapable of lies, come correct when I step in. No the change lies when my rep is impressive. Some don't really hit me cause I am hard to see. I'll split up some families. I'm known to cause wreckage. Some don't really hit me, they say I'm hard to read.
telling them the truth. I know fakes that oppose, but I'm telling them to move. Cause they ain't on my level like my elevator moved. They try to hang and compete with what I bring, but it just ain't the same. They miss, they playing games. I got truth that they listen. Got what they can't obtain. They fakes they not real. One day they will be ashamed. No challenges can harm me. I'm better than the storm. I know folks that got my quotes tatted on their arms, but they missing the point from Atlanta to the Bronx. If their labs don't change and they patterns ain't a form. really love about that song is first and foremost they sample Harold Mel I mean they sample Teddy Pendergrass and for those of y'all who are cool with R&B how did a Christian hip-hop artist get like Teddy Pendergrass on them like it's a deep song the original was tight and then he flipped it but he personifies what scripture is meant for us and it's everywhere if we're paying attention that everyday practice of listening to God's voice whether it be printed whether it be read out loud it's meant to transform us, challenge us, and make us a little bit closer to the originator and author of the text, divinely inspired, written over so many continents, so many languages, and we live in a time where it's not only printed out, we can hear it, we can see it, and we get to know the God from the beginning and the end. And that is the power of scripture every day in our lives. Now we are going to take place in a uh, practice of uh, communion, which is commanded with us, which we see in scripture. But let's remember as we participate in this awesome practice, which will be talked about next week by Pastor Omer, look for scripture everywhere. Because God's always talking.